0: Well, uh, we're beginning a new message series this morning, and for the next three weeks we're going to be talking about money. So some of you are probably uh, wishing you'd just slept in this morning, but uh, every fall we take a few, you wish that every morning, yeah, every every fall we take a few weeks to talk about uh, stewardship and our resources. And, and I do that because it's such an important part of our life in the kingdom of God, and it also has such an impact on our well-being, uh, on our marriages, on our finances, and because it's an area in life that if we can get this piece right, we'll thrive in so many other ways that really matter. Uh, Psalm three says, Blessed are those who do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Isn't that a great promise? Uh, And in that passage, there's a promise that if we delight in God's word, Know what it says, and then put those teachings to practice in our life that we will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season, uh, whose leaf doesn't wither, you know, your life's not falling apart, there aren't things dying in your life. Whatever you do will prosper. And one of the areas that God gives an amazing amount of attention to in Scripture is money and our finances and resources. There's over 2,300 verses or passages of Scripture that deal with how to manage our um, resources. And that's because God knows the pull that money has on our lives, but also the flip side of it, the power that it has for good in the world and in our lives. So he wants us, and there's so much teaching in Scripture about how wise use of our resources can actually uh, cause us to thrive. I was reading in my Bible a couple of months ago, and um, I actually have read since then, too, but (laughs) but, uh, at this particular time, I was thinking about this series and knowing that eventually we were going to get through the book of James, and I knew I was going to be preaching on stewardship, but I hadn't really picked a title for the series or the theme. And it happened that that morning I was in the book of Proverbs and I came across this scripture it's our memory verse this week so if you'll read it with me Proverbs 11:28 Those who trust in their riches will fall but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf Proverbs 11:28 It has another great promise it, it's an awesome image that those who are living in God's ways will thrive and and you know thriving is um, a kind of rich that you that money can't buy I've, I've seen people who have a lot of money, who have a lot of assets who are not thriving in their marriage, or who are not thriving in their relationship with their teenager, or uh, have an emptiness inside that they can't fill with money. Uh, the first wedding that I ever did, I had just uh, graduated from seminary and been appointed to my first appointment. We were unpacking our uh, the van with our U-Haul with our furniture in it, and this young woman came from across the street and she asked if I would officiate at her wedding with her marry her fiance and her uh, in a wedding in their yard, and uh, it. I was probably as nervous throughout the whole process as them because that was the first time, you know, I had never got I had never married anyone and they hadn't been married either. So, you know, we were kind of just uh uh feeling our way forward and and I was hoping that they wouldn't ask me how many weddings I had done because uh, I would have had to say including this one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I met with this couple and uh on the last session I asked him the question, um, how do you plan to give back to God? How do you plan to include God in your marriage? And the young man was thoughtful for a while. And then he said, you know, um, I've always thought that life was about success. But I could never really define what success was. And he said, I've risen to the top of my company. I uh, have an office that overlooks Tokyo in Japan. And he said that one day I was sitting there in my office and looking out over the city, and I had accomplished everything that I had hoped to accomplish in my life by the time I was 35, and I still felt empty inside, like something was missing. There is a rich that money can't buy. And God's intention for us is that we have life to the full. And the promise of Proverbs is a great promise because it reveals the heart of God for all of us to grow and to do more than just survive. And isn't that the goal some days, you know, if I can just survive (laughs) this work day, you know, if I can just get through the day. But God wants so much more than that for us. He wants us to thrive. And I looked up the def- definition of thrive. Uh, let's look at that together. Uh, it's to make steady progress, to, to prosper, to grow strongly and vigorously, to progress toward or realize a goal despite or because of circumstances. And when we, tr- we trust God rather than our riches, we'll thrive. Uh, we think that uh, we will... I think that we all want strong and healthy families and finances and marriages. and We want to overcome and prosper when life is hard and circumstances aren't what we had hoped they would be. I believe that every person has a desire for their life to have meaning and purpose. And Scripture says that that's what God wants for us too, that the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Uh, so if you want to pull out your message notes, we're going to look at some ways that we can thrive uh, in ways that money can't buy. And the first thing that we'll need to do to thrive in this way is to put our trust in God, not in mon- money. Uh, our memory verse says that those who trust in riches will fall. And another translation says that those who trust in their riches Will wither, and so the the image is that of a leaf that has turned brown, that has died, and it's fallen from the tree. and And isn't that the opposite of the person that we read about in Psalm one, whose uh, leaf never withers and yields its fruit in season? And when you trust God and live according to the word, His word, then you'll thrive like a green leaf. You prosper. But when you put your trust in riches, then things begin to fall apart. And trusting God in your finances means that you believe God to do more with the money that you have left after you've been faithful and done and given what he's asked than what you can do when you keep the whole bunch for yourself. I, I mentioned a book a couple of weeks ago that Forrest and I are reading by um, Malcolm Gladwell, and I say Forrest and I because we read together. I read to him. I have to see it. He has to hear it. Uh, Just two different ways of processing. Uh, And so um, we read together at night. Uh, Not all the time. We don't always have time, but this is a book we're reading. I'm going on about that too long. But anyway, (laughs) book we're reading together. (laughs) And in this book, um, it's written by Malcolm Gladwell. It's called David and Goliath. And a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that he said that sometimes things that we think are an advantage are actually a disadvantage, and sometimes the things that we think are disadvantages are actually at advantages. And the example that he gave was of David and Goliath, and how we sometimes think that David was at a disadvantage because of his youth and the lack of strength. But in actuality, he had an advantage because he was young, he was fast, and it was his speed and his skill that enabled him to beat Goliath when uh, it turned out that they weren't going to be in hand-to-hand combat. So his uh, disadvantage turned out to be an advantage. And then Gladwell goes on to say that there are some things in life that appear to be advantages that are an advantage for a, up to a point but then they become disadvantages. And One of the examples that he gives is we often think of children in small classes have an advantage over children that are in larger class sizes in school. And he says that that is true up to a certain point. But when a class size falls below 14, then the small class size actually becomes a disadvantage. That researchers have discovered that children in classes smaller than 14 don't test as well, um, don't do as well as those in classes between 14 and 25. Because there aren't as many children in the classroom to uh, carry on conversations, the discussions are less rich, there's less number of opinions and ideas. And so what's thought to be an advantage, a small class size, is only an advantage to a certain point and then it becomes a disadvantage and we find this to be true in scripture as well in regards to money there is a point where our material blessings can actually work against our spiritual well being and Jesus tells a story about a man who didn't get that and it's in uh, Luke 12 if you want to turn in your Bibles we're going to uh, look at that story Luke 12, it starts in verse 16. And uh, he told them this parable. This is Jesus talking to the crowds, and he says, the, crowd, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So he's already rich, and he has an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, Self? You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with those who store up things for themselves but are not rich towards God. So, so here's a man. Uh, he finds himself with an abundance of possessions. He already had enough. Now he has more than enough. And he falls into a trap that w- that's easy for us to fall into today. Uh, We all need food and clothing and material possessions to live. But there's a point in which we have more than enough. And at that point, we're in danger. Uh, What seems to be an advantage actually becomes a disadvantage for us. And one of the dangers is that we'll begin to trust in the money instead of in God. And... The second danger is that we would see this abundance that we have been given and decide to store it up for ourselves and forget to be rich towards God. And that's the point at which God called the farmer foolish. Uh, That's the point that his riches that had been an advantage to him became a disadvantage. So the second key to thriving in ways that money can't buy, is to recognize that God blesses you so that you can be a part of something bigger than yourself. God blesses us to be a blessing to others. And, and God blesses all of us. So we are the rich farmer in this story. If you own a car, you're in the top 1% in the world And we get to choose what we'll do with our resources. We can store them up. We can use them in ways that don't have eternal significance. Or we can see our resources as something that God has given us as an invitation to experience the joy and fulfillment of being involved in what God is doing in the world. And God gives us good things for our enjoyment. Um, He does. And he wants us to enjoy them. But he gives us more than we need, so that we can participate in something that has forever impact. So, if you look at look at the scripture with me from uh, 1 Timothy six seventeen through nineteen, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Isn't that true? Uh, isn't that true? <laughs> okay we got stuck there for a second. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Living, living a self-centered life is not truly life. It's when we put God and His kingdom in the center that we experience the richness that money can't buy. And when you begin to see the things that God has given you as something that you're that He intends for you to share and pass on to others and bless others with, then you begin to experience some blessings that go beyond anything that money can buy. Uh, You will experience freedom from a self-centered life. You experience freedom from worry because God says that if you are following his word and living according to his plan, that you don't have to worry about your finances. That if you are giving the first part to him, then he'll take care of the other part, that He'll take care of what's left. So you, you get to be free from worry. And you get the joy and peace of knowing that you've made an investment in something that is eternal, that's bigger than yourself. Uh, when we see kids like this up front, I mean, you are a part of that. That's, they are, we have that kind of ministry because of your generosity, And when we see those kinds of things, when people get fed, when hungry people get food, when people get clothing at the free store, all those kinds of things bring an inner joy and contentment and satisfaction that you cannot buy. And you're a part of that. When we celebrate baptisms, when people come to faith in Jesus Christ, and and we know that uh, we're a part of that, that our gifts, our generosity made that possible then there's something about that. That's a that's a true wealth, and that's being rich towards God. Then the third way that we can thrive in money, that uh, ways that money can't buy, is to recognize and be grateful for the blessings that God has already given you. A few summers ago, our daughter-in-law uh, lost her wedding band. She had put sunscreen on her three boys and she took the wedding, her wedding rings off and put them on the counter when she was putting the sunscreen on the kids. And when she went back for it a little bit later, the wedding band was gone. The engagement ring was there, but the wedding band was gone. So she started looking frantically for it. Finally decided she needed to see if the boys knew anything about it. And sure enough, um, Drew, who was four years old at the time, had taken the ring and was pretending that he was Frodo in Lord of the Rings. (laughs) And uh, the last time that he saw the ring of power, uh, (laughs) he had left it on the porch. And, of course, you know, hours later, it wasn't there. It was gone. They looked all over and couldn't find it. And the ring was Libby's grandmother's. It was one of these Tiffany's 16 diamond ban things, and it was estimated about $4,500 for that ring. And so the question becomes at that point, um, how does a four-year-old take care of such a debt? And Sean and Libby could correct him and uh, speak to him about losing it, which I'm I'm sure that they did. Uh, But there's no way that they can get anything from him to replace it. Uh, He doesn't have the ability to pay them back for that ring. So they've got some options. They could write an IOU and just kind of hold it over his head until he's 10 and can start a paper route, you know, and the first million papers go to pay back this debt. That would be uh, inspiring you know, motivating. Uh, They could make him forfeit his allowance and, you know, keep a tally for when he had paid it off. They could remind him every day of what he had done and hope that the guilt keeps him from doing anything like that again. They have options. But for a 4-year-old, the only real option, the only loving thing to do is to forgive and to pay the debt themselves. They're the only ones that have the resources to do that. They're the only ones who can fix what is lost. And and the Bible tells us that we've incurred a debt, that we've all sinned, that the wages of sin is death. None of us have enough enough in our bank accounts to pay the debt that we owe. God is the only one who can set things right, and he chose to do that. Through His Son Jesus Christ. Jesus paid the price for all the times that we got it wrong. God is rich in mercy, and we are receivers of His mercy and forgiveness. Uh, look with me at Colossians 2:13 and 14. "When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sins. Having canceled the charge of your legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. You know, how many of us would just be overjoyed if somebody said, I'm just going to pay your mortgage off for you or your student loans or some other debt that you have hanging over your head. And God has canceled the debt that we could not pay on our own. And in place of punishment, he has given us life, a life that never ends. And those who receive that life uh, are already rich beyond measure. And, you know, I think sometimes we can be like Drew and not realize the value of what God has given us, what we have in our hand, And, uh, and be grateful for the rich blessings that are already ours. And if you've not experienced new life in Christ, uh, maybe you're exploring that idea or wondering about um, if it's true that God loves you and that he died for you. But this morning is a great time to take that step toward finding God. And I would encourage you to do that if you're interested in finding out more about how you can have life in Christ. There's a little box on the back of your connection card down in the right-hand corner that says, I'm interested in becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. If you'll check that, I'll, I'll connect with you. I'll talk to you about how you can do that and um, give you some next steps that you might want to take. Through Christ, you can thrive like a green leaf that will never wither. And uh, if you'll, the rest of you will go ahead and pull out your connection card, too. i want to look at some ways that we can sp- respond to the message and explain this uh, sheet that's in your bulletin. Uh, the first thing is memorizing that verse from Proverbs 11:28. Then the second says I'm going to use the ledger sheet this week to track where my money goes. Next week I'm going to be talking about um, stewardship and that we are stewards. And a steward is someone who manages someone else's money, right? So a good steward knows where their money's going. So in preparation for next week's uh, message, I just encourage you to write down every penny you spend this week. Just put it on the ledger, see where your money's going, and then then uh, bring that with you uh, next week as we talk about what it is to be a steward and kind of in preparation for that. And then the third thing is I'm going to take some time this week to give thanks for the many blessings that God's poured into my life. I think we uh, sometimes take those things for granted. Would you pray with me? Well, Lord God, I thank you for... Your word and that you don't just leave us trying to figure out how to get through life. Well, that you give us clear guidance, that you show us the way, that you teach us how to to live and to to thrive, to succeed in ways that really matter. And I and I pray that you'll give us hearts, God, to listen, to to really believe and to trust you that when we do what you ask, that you're able to somehow, beyond anything that we understand, bless and prosper us in ways beyond what we could ask or imagine. And and that's not necessarily uh, material things, but they're our blessings, God. And I pray that you'll help us to see all the ways that you bless and care for us and we give ourselves to you again this week for your purposes in praying in Jesus name amen